Whoa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. This is Connor Hall of the Golden Hours Podcast, and this is a GDP Minute. Now, excuse me while I swallow the protein bar I just ate. I just had an Atlas protein bar because I just had their CEO, James Oliver, on the podcast. James is a great dude, same age as me, 25 years old. And uh, I'm feeling a little hyper, man. I'm going to be honest with you. We're running the episodes a little bit shorter now. 30 to 35 minutes, a little more concise, so it's a little more digestible because I'm in that brand building mode before we drop the movie, man. I got to be out here making decisions, wheeling and dealing, going quick. Now, listen, James, super smart dude. His bars taste incredible. I'm currently training for that marathon on March 7th. And so, super conscious of the things I'm putting in my body. And he uses all whole ingredients in his bars, and they taste very good. A lot of times with these protein bars, they can get kind of chalky, or they have bad macronutrient splits, as we talked about in the beginning. And um, his bars are great. He's got a great product. You can buy them online. He sent one to me in like two days, a full 15-bar pack. It was awesome. And he's a hustler. He started like... Just like any of you kids who listen that live in Southie or Seaport. Just one of you guys. He's just driving Uber for five hours at four in the morning making some bread. Then he just started flipping bars, man, to every gym in Boston. Love that hustle. Love it. I feel it. With that being said, man, you're going to enjoy this episode. James is my guy. Definitely check out the bars. Now, part two. The GDP fit caps are dropping this week. And I'm going to go sell a million. Pumped. Always wanted to do this. Pumped to sell these. Feather lights are coming in and the Captain America joints. Pumped. If you want one, let me know, man. I'm selling the nice feather light for 45 beans. And I'm selling the Captain America for 35 beans. And we got the whole web store all set up. So if you want to order them too, go for it. All love, guys. Years off to a great start. We got other great episodes coming up. Enjoy. And Riley, thank you for editing this one. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait. Was that not it? Hey, enter. Just, you forgot to enter. Before we begin, hey, everybody. This is Connor Hallway of the Golden Hours Podcast. And if you, by chance, get any sort of value from this episode, whether you laugh, cry, you're entertained, or you learn something, dude, just share it with a friend. And if you don't have friends, you shouldn't be listening to podcasts, listening to podcasts. Um, anyway, before we move on, James, can you give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, name's James Oliver. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of a company called Atlas Bar, which is a premium nutrition bar company. We're making the next generation of, of protein bars. We've been around for about three years, located in the Boston area are growing quickly and uh I'm, I'm pumped to be here today pumped to talk to connor sweet yeah so i i don't honestly know how i got hip to the atlas bar initially i mean i think when i was hosting that entrepreneurship event i was i, th- oh, I think it was greg o'brien right it was greg yeah <laughs> okay, yeah it was greg yeah. yeah so you work with greg um i love the nutrition space dude like i love it and it's so insanely competitive your market like you go to Market Basket and there's literally 60 different SKUs of protein bars. And so I think anybody who gets into this space has got to be a competitive psycho. And I know right now you seem calm and chill, but I know you probably got a little bit of a little demon in you. Um, a little bit. 
But dude, there are very few bars that I think have a, a decent macronutrient split with decent calories that also taste good. And your bar is definitely one of them. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear that. Love to hear that. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It is, it's probably the most competitive space. Like when you go into a grocery store, I think there are more products in the, the bar category than, than any other category. And actually I did, uh, when I was in school, when I was in college, I did a paper, like a business plan, on Atlas Bar, and the the only thing that my professor wrote at the top of the paper was, "This is a very competitive category," and he capitalized "very" and underlined it. So right from day one, I I knew what I was getting into. Uh, but even though it's a really competitive category, it's also a a massive category. It's a, a five billion dollar category total. So even if you only control one percent of the category, if you have one percent of the market share, you have a fifty million dollar company. So yeah, it's it's extremely competitive, but there's a lot of a lot of customers who are consuming consuming bars, and it's all it's also constantly changing. Like all of the all of the players, the big players now are basically brands that have come up in the last ten years or so, and I think that trend is is going to continue over the next ten years, where there's just a new kind of new guard that comes in. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's super competitive, but it's huge and it's it's always changing. Um, so if you know the landscape and you know what you're doing and know where you fit in it, I think you have a good chance of of having a, a pretty successful company. Now, who's the Nike of protein bars right now? Is it Quest? They were uh, back in 2016 or so. Uh, they lost a bit of their their fastball. They they did some reformulations and they they stumbled a little bit. Um, right now it's, I mean, the two top dogs have been kind and uh, cliff bar for the past like 20, 25 years. Both of those companies I think have around a billion dollars in sales each. So, so they control a lot of the category. Uh, but for protein bar specifically, I think quest is the, the number one in terms of like total sales. Yeah. Well, dude, for the average consumer, I can understand why kind and cliff are the most dominant brands but anybody who knows a little bit about nutrition know that knows that those bars are essentially just like sugar candy bars for the most part yeah they're not, they're not really fueled for nutrition like your bars and so you're kind of offering you sell in a much different segment than them don't you like who are you targeting yeah yeah i mean so we're targeting people who are a bit more informed about nutrition and who understands that sugar is something you want to avoid and that carbs are, are probably something that you want to avoid unless you're very active. Um, and we're targeting people who are just looking to better themselves through their nutrition, because that's really what our bar is intended to do. Every ingredient that we use is used for a specific reason. And everything is exhaustively researched because we only want to use ingredients that are going to help you perform or, or think better. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right that those other brands, they, they are, very uh going for a very different market uh the cliff bar if you actually listen to the cliff founder tell the story about how he created it I he did. created I it. it you have yes yeah. so if you remember he's talking, he, talking about how uh, i built this right yeah yeah that's one of them and he talks about yeah in that interview he talks about how he made the first bars from his mom's or his grandmother's cookie recipe so it's literally like the bar is based on the cookie recipe and it's just put into a rectangle 
And because it's not a circle and it's in a rectangle, people are like, oh, it's, a, it's an energy bar. It's, a, it's good for me. I can eat it at my desk. No, it's, that's, that's not how it works. And you're probably better off just, just eating the cookie and enjoying that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was one of the big reasons why I want to get into the space because there are a lot of brands that I saw that were, I, I thought they were taking advantage of unsuspecting uh, consumers. So like one brand, uh, which has been the dominant performance nutrition brand Gatorade for the past few decades, oh, uh, their protein sugar bar. Sugar water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, their protein bars are, are pretty much the same thing. They have 29 grams of sugar in it, which is literally the exact same that a Snickers has in it. But if you don't look at the nutrition facts, if you don't read the label, you'd never know that. You just see the protein on the front and you think you're making a healthy choice when in reality, you're actually better off eating the Snickers because it's fewer calories and the same amount of sugar and all the same processed ingredients. Now, it's tough though, because so mind you, I'm pretty fitness conscious. I'm training for a marathon March 7th. And I obviously understand nutrition, but how do you make the common consumer understand that your bar is a better nutritional choice than something they already have brand loyalty to, like a Gatorade bar? I think I lost you for a sec there, James. Oh, sorry, Connor. Can you... Breaking up just a little bit, my boy. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you now. Goddamn Zoom, man. <laughs> Cut out for a second. Wait, let me. Um, I felt like Anderson Cooper when I asked that, so let me rephrase it. So, oh, I lost you again, James. Damn. You're muted. There you go. Cool. No problem, dude. It's the world we live in, man. Um, so again, what I'd asked is, what I'd asked is the common consumer isn't, doesn't really understand nutrition very well. And obviously you're tailoring your product to people who understand macronutrients and understand that your bar is better. How do you create brand loyalty in a product where you're asking the consumer to go above and beyond with their knowledge? If that makes sense. Yeah, it's. It is a, it's a really tough thing to do, um, especially when you need to educate the consumer. So the, the trick is to actually have a product that is effective, but communicating that in a way that's really digestible and easy to understand from the consumer perspective. Because even somebody like myself that's in the space, if I'm walking through the store, I'll probably give a product like two, three seconds max maybe. So you've got like two seconds to communicate to a consumer why your product is better than all the other ones in the aisle. And when you're doing that with what we're trying to do, which is a, a product that is competing on the nutrition and also the ingredient quality, you, you gotta be really thoughtful about how you're communicating that. So like one thing that we did is we just put the nutrition facts right on the front of the bar like this. This is the bar that I had this morning. Um, so yeah, there you go. Product placement for my boy. <laughs> um, so yeah, we just put it right on the front of the bar because we wanted to save people the time of picking it up, turning it over, so they can just pick it up and immediately they see, oh, it's got 15 grams of protein, one gram of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. Boom. Two seconds. I know exactly what the nutrition's are, nutritional facts are, and that's aligned with what I want. So I'm gonna get it. How many of your own bars have you tasted over the years? <laughs> like how many have I consumed myself? Yeah, like you like, think over four thousand. 
Um, there's a, yeah, I mean, there's a good chance that it's over 4,000. I've, the most I've ever had in a day is 12. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've probably had like two or three a day for the past, like three years. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're definitely over a thousand at this point. Um, and that, that's actually the, the thing that I would always tell people when I was first starting out, like I made these first and foremost for myself. So I'm not going to put anything in these that I don't want to be eating because if anything is bad for the consumer, then I'm going to be the one that, that feels it the hardest because I'm eating the most of these by far. Now let's throw it way back. How did you, you started this at Tufts? Yeah. So I started ideating the business when I was at Tufts and I tried to get everything together so that by the time I graduated, I could just hit the ground running and go off to the races. I was the same way, man. Yeah. So what are you three, you're three years deep now? Uh, yeah. Three years deep. So you kind of like me, you're finally starting to see clearer pastures. Yeah. Yeah. You could say that. Dude, what were your first six months like running the business? Were you just throwing? They were an absolute grind. It was an absolute grind. Um, so I had done, I had worked at a few offices before graduating and I just knew within like a day of being in there that I couldn't do that. It was just not for me. And I would rather, literally rather work 16 hours a day for myself doing something that I want to do than work eight hours a day in an office. I just, I felt like I was dying when I was in there. So that's what I decided to do. And that's really what propelled me to, to start the business. So my first few months, I, I self-funded it by getting up at basically four, yeah, around four in the morning. Uh, I lived in Southie at the time. So I'd get up at four, I'd drive Uber from four to nine or so. And then once nine hit, I would uh, basically hit the streets selling bars to CrossFit gyms and Orange Theories in the area. And then once five, PM came back around, I would just go out and Uber until eight or nine and then uh, go to sleep and do it all over again. And then whatever I made from Ubering, I would just put it back into the company so I could help it grow. And I did that for the first six months from like June of 2017, all the way through uh, December of 2017. And once September 17 hit, you were making enough in sales to f do it full time? Uh, so once December 2017 hit, yeah, I, I was making enough that it, it didn't make sense. The time I was spending like driving Uber, it didn't make sense to do that anymore. The, the money that I was getting um, to put into the company, just because uh, the money that I, I, I needed at that time to buy more inventory or to actually make progress in the business was significantly more than I could make on a weekly basis driving Uber. So I had to look for, for other sources of money and then devote all of my attention to, to growing the business. Yeah. Now, I think a lot of young entrepreneurs have inklings early on things happen to them or they sell something early on that gives them a little bit of confidence. Like, yeah, I could probably handle running my own business. Did you have anything growing up where you were like, yo, uh, I kind of have like this sense that not my friends don't have. So I never had, I know like a lot of people like ran a lemonade stand or like sold baseball cards. Uh, did I, all I, ran, that stuff. I ran a NCAA college bracket. Like I was running. <laughs> And so I was like, all right, I think I can probably do shit on my own. <laughs> yeah. So I, I never was like running anything like that, but I've always just thought of like different business ideas since I was very young. And I guess looking back, like it was pretty obvious that this is what I was going to, to gravitate to. Um, but there was, I, I guess the one experience that I did have that gave me a lot of confidence just in the ability to sell, which is what you absolutely have to do if you are starting any kind of business 
whether you're starting a business like yours or a business like mine, like you just have to be able to persuade people to either talk to you or to work with you or to buy what you're selling. And so I actually, I worked for a year in college selling uh, Cutco knives, which is like a pretty pyramid <laughs> scheme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did that for about a year and it was, it was a tremendous experience for me because I'm not a person that's, I wouldn't call myself like naturally an, an extrovert. And for that job, you need to basically cold call people and then get them to say, yeah, you can come to my house and do an hour long presentation on knives to this complete stranger and then try to persuade that person to buy over $1,500 worth of knives, which is, it's trial by fire in terms of just getting comfortable uh, being like a, a pure salesman. So that was an unbelievable experience because it really made me be like, oh, I can actually do this. This isn't that hard. And I'm, I'm good at talking to people. Dude, no hate to whoever's hustling that vector marketing scheme. No hate whatsoever. <laughs> but dude, it's like the most invasive thing ever. They like ask to get in your contact book. They like hack into your phone. But then, then they have a bunch of other schemes too. But for some reason, they've just been getting away with it for so goddamn long. But I know something's fishy with that system. Yeah, it is. They, they could be a lot more transparent about the whole thing. Like I remember, I think the first time I found out about it, there was a flyer at my school and it was like uh, student work. It just said something like very vague and ambiguous. It was like student work, like $20 an hour guaranteed. It said nothing about cutlery, nothing about vector. And you're like, oh, this looks pretty good. And then you call them up and then you go to the first thing and, and that's how they, they get you into the system. But yeah, you got to do like text your, your close friends and your family and text your friends, try to get them to do it. Uh, yeah, that, that's a big part of it. But um, I, I don't know why they're not more transparent about that up front, but people definitely are, are pretty skeeved out by it because of that. Now, when you had started hustling, first off, I love that story that you were just getting up early, you were driving Uber, like real hustle. When you were first starting selling in like Seaport and Southie, did you have a pretty early success rate selling the bars to the gyms? Yeah, so basically my business plan, like the one that I had written up when I was in college, I was like, so there are about like 200 functional fitness gyms in the Boston area between like CrossFits and Orange Theories and all those types of gyms, like fight gyms. And what my hypothesis was, was that, okay, I think all these people, they're spending a good amount of money on their fitness memberships. Cause like a CrossFit membership minimum is going to be like probably 150 bucks in the city. It can be as high as like 300 bucks. So people that are going to these places, they've got a good amount of money that they're willing to spend on, on health and wellness because the average gym, like a gold's gym, uh, I don't know, it was like 30 bucks a month. So these people are literally paying like five or 10 X as much for their CrossFit membership than they would be for their normal membership. So I was like, okay, if these people are willing to pay that much more for their gym membership, they're probably willing to pay like one and a half times more for a, a better nutrition source for a better bar. And so I was like, all right, these people are my target. And there's about 200 of these gyms in the greater Boston area. So if I can get each one of these gyms to buy like a hundred dollars worth a month, then I can get this to a six figure business within, I think about a year. And so that was like my whole uh, thesis starting out. And that gave me really good direction. Cause I was like, all right, I just got to hear all my targets. I just got to go to all of these. I just got to walk in the door and uh, start slinging bars. It made it very simple. It is really simple. And did you have an early success rate or were people still? Yeah. 
No, no. Um, I mean, <laughs> I think people like the fact that this kid was just walking off the street and just doing like old school hustling. Like I was doing sales, like out of the forties. So I would just like walk, literally walk off the street, just walk in there and be like, Hey, is the, is the owner here? Um, like <laughs> no, no cold call, nothing. Um, so very old school. And I think a lot of people just respected the, the hustle. So they gave me a shot. And then uh, once I got a shot, I just worked hard to make sure that it was, uh, it was successful. So I would just set up like a sampling table. I would work out at the gym and I would just try to get the product in as many people's mouths as possible. Dude. So I don't know if I had told you this, but before I'd started the podcast and I knew that the city kind of needed a, a more central podcast, um, I threw a big concert in boston and i went into like every neighborhood in boston just hand sell hand sold tickets and still to this day and so i i'm dropping these new fitness caps coming out i have these new gdp fitness caps coming out still to this day i don't think there's a bigger rush in the world than selling something cold call going up to someone and trying it because it's so fucking scary man <laughs> yeah yeah it is yeah because everything in your body is like screaming at you like not to do this like what are you doing and just like overcoming that and being like, no, we're, we're doing this anyways. This is really uncomfortable, but we're going to do it. feels good. Uh, and then once you get in it, it's just like that initial contact. That's the toughest part. But then once you actually start talking to the person, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. Um, also, but yeah, coming over that anxiety is tough. It's like it's like always gravy and everyone always buys your stuff. But getting stiff-armed is terribly humiliating. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I feel like the way that I've described it so far makes it sound like I just walked in everywhere and it was, a, yeah, no, it was not at all, not at all like that. There are plenty of people that were just like, no, this is not something that I'm interested in. Plenty of people that were just like, this is, this is going to fail or this has no business being a, being a product. And um, I mean, I just, I just ignore those people and focused on the successes because with any product, you're going to have people, you're going to have detractors, like even say even an iPhone, which is arguably one of the most, maybe the most successful like consumer product of all time. There are people that hate on the iPhone. And if Tim Cook was just like paying attention to all those people that hate on the iPhone, he's like, ah, oh, we're failures. Like look at all these millions of people that hate the iPhone, but there are a lot more people that love it. So regardless of what you make, there are always going to be people that, that don't like what you're selling and you just got to focus on the ones that, that do. Now, um, one thing that differentiates your bar more than most is the whole adaptogen power thing. And so I kind of want to let you speak to that because I honestly do not understand it at all. But I know <laughs> when I eat these things, like it's good for my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So adaptogens, they're, uh, they're relatively, well, they're not new in the sense of uh, new to the planet. They've been around for like four or 5,000 years, primarily used in, in Asia and South America. But basically what they are is they're a type of superfood that is non-caloric. So they don't really have any calories, but they have a ton of benefits. And there's, there's a whole uh, host of benefits depending on which one you're talking about. Um, and they come in the form of, of roots and herbs. And the one that we use, it's called ashwagandha. And ashwagandha is a root uh, that's grown in, in India. And it's got a ton of ridiculous benefits associated with it. I'm very careful when I'm putting these ingredients into the product because I want to make sure that 
it's not smoke and mirrors. It's not snake oil because as I'm sure, you know, there's, there's a good amount of that in the nutrition and supplement space. There are a lot of products that claim to do something and there's really no scientific basis behind it. Uh, so I chose ashwagandha because it's actually one of the most researched ingredients in the world. And it has, uh, it has a few thousand years of uh, usage behind it in Asia, but it also has a few dozen studies, independent studies that have been done in the United States that have proven everything from increased sexual function to decreased mental stress. There's about 30 different benefits that have been proven out. Um, and it's, it's really pretty amazing. And, and we think that it's going to become a lot more popular in the next decade or so, because there's really no downside to taking it. And because of all the benefits associated with it, there's pretty much only upside. All right. So rewind. So you're saying this adaptogen in your bar is going to give you a Woody. <laughs> Honestly, is that like what it's doing for people essentially? <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's not, it's not an herbal Viagra. It is not that. Um, so like, no, it, um, adaptogen, what are they getting? What's the consumer getting focus? Yeah. So, so the main thing that it does is it decreases stress in the body and it improves your, your body's ability to, to handle that stress. And that, I mean, stress is really the, the underlying source of like every single, uh, disease and major illness in the country, whether it's, it's mental or physical. And so that, that one function is hugely beneficial to pretty much anybody, whether you're somebody who's sitting at the, the office all day or whether you're going out for a, a three hour run. Now, we had talked a little bit on the phone about like your long-term goal at the company and it got me like, I remember you got me psyched, but I kind of forget what you said. <laughs> Was it like you wanted to get 2000 stores across the country? Yeah. So to date, we've, uh, we've just been focused pretty much direct to consumer. So just building the brand online, e-commerce. just be it's uh, yeah, e-commerce. It's if you're starting out with the food and beverage product, especially right now, I think it's, it's the right way to go because you own that relationship with your, with your audience, with your customer. And if you're selling say at whole foods, you could, you definitely are going to get sales, but you don't know who's taking the product off the shelf. Whereas if Connor, you're a, if you're buying from us through our site, we can email you, you can email us. Like we have a dialogue going, we know who you are and you know who we are. So if you're starting a brand and are looking to, especially get in the food and beverage or nutrition space, I would definitely recommend starting online for that reason. Uh, but yeah, we've, we've been in about a hundred stores. We finished 2020 about a hundred stores. And for this next year, we're looking to, get to at least uh, 1200 across the country. So uh, that's the big goal for 2021. Now, how do you set your mind to kind of have that grow or die mentality? Like, how do you consistent, how do you consistently try to level up? Like, what do you do to keep yourself in check? Cause it's all a mindset thing. Like personally? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I think taking care of the body is a, is a huge thing for me. So, I've got a pretty uh, strict morning routine that I follow that involves meditation, cold shower, exercise, usually running. Uh, and that's, that's just really helpful for me to, to start the day out on a good note. Cause regardless of what else happens that day, at least I can go to sleep at night knowing that I got those things done. No, sorry. Uh, I'm also, what are you doing yeah. for runs right now? 
Um, so I, I kind of just go for as long as I want. It ranges between like four and usually like 13 miles. Um, I'll just see how my, my body's feeling. Actually, I recently got whoop. Have you heard of these things? We had the CEO on the show, man. Did you? <laughs> yeah, dude, I got Willie Buckets. I pause, but I kind of fell in love with that guy. He's a stud. Yeah, so I've had this thing for like a week and I, I love it. It's uh it's like the thing that I've wanted since I was like six years old. Um so I'm using this to now like yeah, it's 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 unreal. I actually I just got them all for my team and I've had it for like a week and I was like, you know what? These guys, these need it. These guys need them. Uh, I've sold like three of them to my friends. I should be on commission, honestly, because I just keep, I keep tossing them out. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's how I'm, I'm tracking like what I should do on a day-to-day -day basis. Now I'm checking the whoop in the morning and it's like, uh, you're like 20% recovered. So you probably shouldn't go run 10 miles. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm using uh, right now. And then I also, I read a lot uh, because reading, reading to me has always kind of been like a cheat code because when you read, you get to access the minds of some of the smartest people in history. And so like, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Um, I used to just check, I used to have a library card and uh, have you seen Goodwill Hunting? You must have. I sometimes think I am. <laughs> Is that a stupid question? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so what specifically have you been reading recently? Uh, so the book I'm reading right now, it's called the, the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. And he's a guy that's, I don't know if you're familiar, but billionaire philosopher type dude. Uh, he's just got like a lot of very simple, but profound insights. So yeah, I just, I just like to continually absorb information from people that are a lot smarter than me because, uh, it makes me think in positive and, uh, different ways about the world. How do you navigate your ego when in building a business? It's tough, man. Yeah. Yeah. What, you don't have to cry, bro. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's a big question. Like what, what specifically about the ego? Well, I think the ego is essential for growth. You want to always yeah. be bigger. You want to do more. You think you have potential to go reach, but at the same time, you can, if you're not in check, you can overreach and you can do some reckless shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think about it from like what your intention is. So if you're trying to grow a business because you want to have a billion dollar business to feel fulfilled, then that's one thing. But if you really believe in your product and you want to help as many people as possible, and that's why you want to grow, then that's another thing. I would prefer to be in that, that latter category because uh, helping people is something that I really enjoy doing. And that's what makes me feel really good. And um, just hitting numbers for the sake of numbers, that doesn't necessarily do anything for me. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I, I think about that. But it, it is really tough because you absolutely do need ego, especially when you are the head of a, a company, um, because you need ego to, it motivates you in some sense to, to want to do better and to want to uh, always level up, but you can't let it get out of control because if it does, that's where arrogance comes from. That's where a lot of short-sighted decisions come from. Um, and I think that's, that's a slippery slope. So you got to watch that. Yeah. I mean, 
also at the same time, I was talking with Riley and Lexi about this. A lot of entrepreneurs get into the space. Obviously, people are like, well, you want to fulfill a problem or like, you know, solve someone's problem or you want to be your own boss. But it's inevitable that a lot of people in the space also, they want to win, man. People want the glory and people, I mean, a lot of people do it because they're hyper competitive and they like the acclaim that comes with it. How do you navigate that? Because it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not probably the best intention thing to motivate all your actions. You mean approaching the competition in the space? I'm going to be, how honest. do you, I'm going to be honest. That was one of the worst run on questions I've ever asked. <laughs> you um, my question is there's n- I think at this stage in building anything, there's nothing wrong with being materialistically motivated. Mm. I want to get a bigger car. I want to get a bigger house, whatever, because they help, they help drive you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a moral problem? I don't necessarily think that that's a moral problem, but I think if that is your, if your motivation primarily is materialistic, that might be something you'll, you'll have to deal with down the road once you eventually get that car or get that house and realize that you're still the same person you were before. And that's not what actually makes you happy. I mean, I've always, I've always loved the example that Warren Buffett sets because that dude is, he's been one of the wealthiest people on the planet for the past, like, 40 years and that guy's lived in the same house since he was i think since like the 60s he right, lives in that, this like is that crazy shit every morning with like the egg mcmuffin like he'll get a sauce yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean that guy has more reason than anyone to buy like the biggest house in the world but i think he just realized early on that um that's not what at least for him that's not what makes him feel fulfilled so he drives this like pretty shitty car and lives in this very small house and he seems to be loving life um but yeah it's uh that's definitely something that i've thought a lot about i actually i read a book recently that was very helpful with that it's by uh john wooden does that name ring a bell for you the basketball coach yeah ucla basketball coach he won like 10 out of 13 years or something like that the ncaa championship and basically his uh, perspective is just do the best that you can every single day and just focus on being the best you can. Like for, for Connor, focus on being the absolute best co- podcaster that you can be and don't worry about what the competition is doing because if you just focus on being the best podcaster that you can be, then you will become a successful podcaster just by virtue of doing that. But just focusing on that day after day after day, that is the secret to ending up where you want to end up and where you, all those things you want, all those materialistic things, the wealth and the success as a podcaster, that will come as a byproduct as just focusing on that process. It's a lot easier said than done, especially, yeah. <laughs> especially if you're impatient. Yes. Well, dude, yeah, it the, absolutely is. Lexi gave me a little bit of a trigger that we're approaching the end time here. So I wanna just ask you one more question. Well, I have about two more questions. One, I hope you had a good time. Yeah, absolutely. This is a good time. Dude, we don't even have to record next time. I mean, you can just hop on a FaceTime. <laughs> I'm down. Um, number two, if people want to access, and, and I'll vouch for you here, the Atlas Bar tastes amazing. So even if you don't really care that much about your nutrition, it's a great snack. You can clip that, man. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, where can people get the bar? 
Um, so we don't have a ton of retail stores right now. So I always tell people that the best way to, to try them out is just going to our site. We actually, we offer a sample pack where you can try one of every single flavor uh, for, a, for a subsidized cost because we want to give people the chance to, to try them out before they uh, make a bigger commitment. So if you go to atlasbars.com, that's the best place to get them. Sweet. Now, are you, you think you're on track to hit the goal this year? Yeah, yeah, we're actually a third of the way there already. Oh so, uh, yeah, we got got a lot of year left and uh, uh, only 66% of the goal. So I'm feeling good. Let's go. Well, dude, thank you so much. Now, I'm going to ask you those final two questions. Number one, when I drop this movie, will you watch it with your wifey? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank 100%. You so thank you so much. That means the world to me. Number two. We have a way we start and end the show. You got to listen closely because I'm only going to tell you once. All right. So got it. you have to say this. Hi, I'm your name. And this is my golden hour. Directly after no break. Hi, your name. And that was my golden hour. Got it. Whenever you're ready, man. Hi, my name is James. This is my golden hour. Hi. Is that right? Hi, my name is James. That was my golden hour. Perfect. And James, just so everyone knows, it was well executed, but James is from Atlas Bar. You can get them yeah. online and they're great. And I've been eating them. He sent me a box. I'm going to pass them out to the producers and crush about 50 of them. What's your, what's your go-to flavor right now? I like the chocolate cacao. Yeah, that'll get you a chocolate fix. Will that give me that adaptogen brain boost? Oh, yeah. Nice, man. Nice. Big time. <laughs> Sweet. Well, dude, thank you so much, and uh, we'll drop this next week. Awesome. Looking forward to it.